We just heard D Jesus teach his disciples, the crowd, and through the living gospel, teach us a parable. But what exactly is a parable? Simply put, it is a story that uses everyday imagery people could relate to, but in such a way that it introduces an entirely new way of seeing things. Who is the sower? God. What is the seed? It could carry several meanings all at the same time. It could be God's word expressed perfectly in his son Jesus. It could be mean God's grace or God's love. And the different kinds of soil? They represent the various conditions of the human person, the soul that receives the seed. But now let me ask you something. Did you notice something odd about the parable? If Jesus were here today, no farmer would ever hire him to tend his fields. You know why? Because in the parable, the sower does not go up and down, nice, neat, tidy, cultivated fields that have been turned over and all prepared to receive the seed. The sower doesn't go and very efficiently and economically plant each seed in order to bear the optimum harvest. Oh, heck no. This sower does what? He just walks about flinging seed all over the place, liberally scattering it around, knowing full well it's going to land on all kinds of soil. So why such an extravagant waste of such a precious commodity? Well, we'll get to that shortly. Jesus mentions four types of soil. A path, ground beaten down so much, packed down so hard, it even repels rain. Kind of like the roads in Wyoming in summer, huh? Rocky ground that is shallow, providing little for the roots to cling to, thorns that suck all the nourishment out of the soil and choke the seed, and finally, rich soil. And Jesus then concluded, whoever has ears ought to hear. Why such an adamant warning? Jesus is making two points. First, the sower, God, is not like any farmer. God knows full well where the seed, his word, his grace, his love, is going to land. And from God's perspective, now listen carefully, from God's perspective, no matter what kind of soil the seed lands on, there is hope for growth. Because God sees beyond our failures, he sees beyond our sins. He sees all the potential that he created us to achieve. And that leads to Jesus' second point. The kind of soil one is at any given time in life is never static. It's dynamic. It is subject to change to the degree one chooses to change to the degree one allows for change, to the degree one cooperates with change. I suspect 
that most of us at various times in our lives have kind of moved back and forth between being one type of soil or another. In my younger days, I, I was pretty much a hardened path. Now, I could have cared less about God, religion, and faith. I was having fun, and God, church, religion, and faith interfered with my fun. God chose to allow his grace, his love, the gift of his son to come to me, and I chose to let them just roll off, never sink in. When I hit my early 20s, I realized it was time to grow up, time to buckle down, get serious about life. I started to think about marriage, raising a family, buying a home, the whole enchilada. Now, I wasn't opposed to God, religion, or faith at this point. They were okay, as long as they were convenient. That ring a bell with anybody here? You all better raise your hands, because the confessionals are right over there. They had to be convenient. They had to fit into my schedule. I was more like soil taken over by thorns, easily sidetracked by the worries and the anxieties of making a living and planning for the future, which, as we all know, are relentless tyrants demanding our undivided attention and devotion. Faith was being choked off by the choices I made, barely hanging by a thread. Then something happened. It is hard to believe from my present condition, but back then, I was in darn good health. I played tennis regularly, swam a mile a day, jogged every other day, loved hiking. I loved to go winter camping, loved to go cross-country skiing and snowshoeing. And during a routine physical that should have been a cakewalk for a guy my age and in my condition, my doctor discovered a lump in my left shoulder. Now, when a doctor tells you, um, hmm, my secretary is going to call the hospital right now. I need to get this tested. I don't like this. You tend to listen. Well, the testing took a couple of days. Turned out, thank God, to be nothing. But boy, was it one heck of a wake-up call. It was like being placed on notice that it was time to get my priorities in order. And though I was going to Mass, by this point, very faithfully, the shameful truth is, I was just putting in pew time. You know, you, oh, you know, you know, I see some of you already shaking your heads. You walk in, you dip your fingers in the holy water, and you make the sign of the cross while you're thinking about, gee, did I let the dog out? You come into the church, you plop your butt down the pew, and you start counting how many wooden beams are in the church and how many lights are up in the seat. Oh, I see you nodding your head. Okay, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're probably doing pew time right now. All right, that's what I was doing. I was not making any effort to respond to the grace of being fully present to the mystery that loved me, that was reaching out to me, waiting for my response. Changes were necessary. It is always the case that changes for the good take time.
time so they can be fully integrated into one's life. The soil I was, my soul, wasn't hard. It wasn't quite so riddled with thorns, but it definitely wasn't rich. It was more like rocky ground, shallow, in need of a lot of cultivation and clearing of debris to allow for more depth, all of which would take time. And I discovered a truth. What matters is not looking to the end result, but to be faithful to the process, even if, especially if, there are setbacks. The joy in today's gospel is that no matter how poor the quality of our ability to receive God's grace and love, there is always, without exception, hope. Remember, Jesus describes his Father, our Father, as deliberately scattering seed, his grace, his love, in all directions, knowing full well it would land on all kinds of soil. Why? The prophet Isaiah tells us in our first reading, he says of God's word, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Now listen, my word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will achieving the end for which I sent it. No matter what condition we are in at any given time, even right now in this mass, the type of soil we are is not predetermined, it is not preordained, it is not static. On the contrary, the type of soil we wish to become, the degree to which we wish to be receptive to the transforming power of God's word, his love, his grace, is completely up to us. God is always offering himself to every single one of us. That is a given. You can go to the bank with that one. What is not a given is what your response, my response, is going to be. A soul that is like a hardened path can become the richest of soils as the lives of many saints testify again and again and again. But it is equally true that rich soil can become choked with all kinds of anxieties and worries if we're not careful. It can become filled with all kinds of debris, making us spiritually shallow if we do not regularly cultivate it or even become a hardened path that repels God's grace and love when we become embittered by life and retreat within ourselves. The type of soil we become, our response to God's scandalously lavish grace, is always our choice our responsibility.